We are back with the 10th episode of The Recovering Investment Banker. I'm one of your hosts, Eric, and with me as always is the actual Recovering Investment Banker, Chris Kaufman. Chris, what are we talking about today? Well, Eric, first of all, Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas. Great to see you, and I'm glad that you were able to fit into your very tight schedule, which is now even tighter because of the holidays, uh, this episode. So I hope you have a very Merry Christmas coming up next week and a great time with your family. Well, thank you. I hope you have the same. Thank you. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this one because I don't really know what we're going to cover, but I'm going to learn something, as we always do, and I think our audience will get some value out of it as well. You, uh, you had some ideas of what we should be talking about, so I'm going to turn it over to you. What would you like to talk about? Well, basically, the subject today is kind of been secretly behind all of our episodes for a long time. So I'm just going to put it out on the table. No one's going to know what I mean at first, but hopefully, you know, you and I can talk about it and maybe it'll become clear because it's really important. It's corporatism versus capitalism. Corporatism versus capitalism. Right. And doesn't that make your heart beat stronger? I can you know, see you breaking out in a sweat oh, right yeah. now. Oh, yeah. You could just you could just see the excitement on my face. Right. We're on a Zoom meeting. Of course, this is being <laughs> recorded audio only, but... Um, All right. Corporatism versus capitalism. You mind if I take a stab at it? Yeah. I can see the emotion pumping. I can see you getting excited. This is like a Led Zeppelin kind of corporatism versus capitalism. It's like Led Zeppelin, isn't it? Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me take a stab at this. So capitalism, the free exchange of uh, goods and services uh, based on people mutually agreeing to what something is worth and they freely exchange their money. Exactly right. They come into a market and one one has one offers something, one wants something. The price is decided by the relative amounts of supply and demand. If there's a lot of demand, the price goes up. If there's if there's a lot of supply, the price goes down. Exactly. That is capitalism. We call it capitalism. It's really about the market. It's really about freely setting prices. Mm-hmm. To me, capitalism is really sort of a natural law of human nature. It's the natural way that goods and services are transacted because Human nature is to find value and exchange and trade and be social creatures. It's normal. That would be free capitalism. I totally agree with you. You know, and the funny thing is, is all these anthropologists and people who, unfortunately, today because they're academics, probably are big left wing guys. They're telling us go back four or five thousand years, and you know, people in India were trading with Vikings. You know, so over thousands and thousands of miles with primitive transportation technology, human beings were freely trading. You know, glass beads for perfume or spices for weapons thousands of years ago. As you say, it's it's kind of a it is. It's one of the most fundamental natural laws of human nature, right up there with sex. Tr- freely exchanging, you've got stuff I want. I'm gonna try and find something that you want, and we're gonna we're not gonna kill each other over it. We're gonna trade it. Rugs for for knives or whatever the heck it's it's been going on for thousands of years. Yeah, bartering. I, I think if we there's a reason that episode one was defining what is a market. Mm. This, we're talking about the investment banking world, and yet our first episode here, you wanted to say, we need to define what a market is. If you don't understand what a free market is, you'll never understand investment banking. You'll never understand the world of finance. You still stand by that? Yeah, absolutely. The world of business, you won't really understand what your job security is all about. You don't want to understand what your retirement security is about. And by the way, that's kind of what the, that's exactly what the subject is today. Corporatism, which is an absence of a market... It's a company or corporation-dominated economy versus capitalism or really the free market. And people assume that because we're Americans, we're operating, we're living in a free market, we're living in capitalism. That's kind of where all the political rhetoric is. That's where all the policy things that are argued about in social media and everywhere else. 
today we're going to talk about the fact that capitalism is disappearing in the United States and it's being destroyed by the American corporations. Hmm. Okay, well, take it away. Okay. There's a guy named Ronald Coese, whom we've talked about before. He won a Nobel Prize in economics. And his great insight is, is that there is no free market inside a company. There's no free market inside a corporation. Um, you know, the company that you work in, um, you're not contracting out next month to see, see if you can find a better chief financial officer solution or a chief executive officer solution or a chief technology officer solution, you've got your executive team. You've got your role in the executive team. Other guys or women have their roles in the executive team, and you kind of get on with it. But you are operating in a market um, because you're not a huge corporation like Google and Facebook and J.P. Morgan. You have to play by the rules of competition. You have to keep your customers happy. You have to be aware of your other competitors. Or you fail. So you are operating, your company is operating in a free market. That's real capitalism. That's the American way. But that's not the world we're living in anymore. And it's much worse than the fact that now probably, you know, let's call it uh, 70%, 60 to 70% of the U.S. economy is now dominated by large corporations. It's actually, they, they basically call the shots now. And we'll talk about that. So... Your company buys from the market the goods and services that you need to turn it into your products and services, and then you sell in the free market your own products and services, and the company makes money, and it's profitable. But within your company, there is no free market. You're working with your management team, you're working with your other employees and staff, and you're getting on with it. Now, there's no issue with you and your company because it's a small business. But if you are J.P. Morgan, or you are Facebook, or you are Google, or you are Apple, they basically entirely dominate their markets. And what they do is the fact that there's no free market inside their company at their level of scale means that they have grown so large that they're suffocating the market out of the sectors of the economy that they operate in. They've crushed it. They've pumped all the oxygen out of it. Basically, the, the price of goods and services they buy and sell isn't some kind of a competitive market that you and I can decide, for example, what our airline ticket is going to cost. It basically makes the barrier of entry to compete against them insurmountable, so nobody tries. That's exactly right, Eric. And you put your finger right on the key issue because basically the way markets work, if you and I have some incredibly, it's just this ridiculous, obviously we're not making any money from this, but some incredibly successful podcast, what happens? Uh, it's, we make so much money that people go, hey, those guys aren't that smart. I'm at least as smart as Chris and Eric. I'm going to start my own podcast. And that starts to trade down the profitability of our podcast because we now have competition. And that's exactly how it always works. Um, and the bar- clearly the barrier to entry to having a podcast is extremely low. Here we are. That's right. Exactly. But if I want to compete with Boeing, I don't have the money to build an airplane, nor do I have the money to hire people who know how to build an airplane. I'm never going to be able to compete with Boeing myself. And you know what? Maybe that's okay, Eric, because you know, it's a perfectly legitimate thing for Boeing to be really good at making aircraft, although that, that MAX, that 757 MAX thing, whatever it is, we have to question that. But the real problem with Boeing is that to compete with Boeing or, in fact, to sell goods and services to Boeing, you have to have the same kind of connections to the government that they do. They basically are part of the military-industrial complex that Eisenhower, our Republican president, warned about in 1960. But 
So you might actually have a great technology. In fact, I know a guy, I won't go into this, but I know a guy who did actually have worked at Boeing. He did come up with a technology and he sold a patent to Boeing like in 1963 and made a bit of money. Um, but that's almost impossible today because there's so many rules and regulations and IP and so forth. If you work at a university, for example, and come up with a great idea, that the university owns that idea. The whole system's rigged. But let's let's focus on a real example that every one of us can relate to. You know, Eisenhower warned, warned about the military-industrial complex in 1960. He saw this the way that large corporations were allying with government to rewrite the rules with their lobbyists and, and change things and pump all the market out of their own area of operations. But that's only defense contracts today are four percent of U.S. GDP, which you know in absolute terms is huge. It's probably bigger than you know thirty percent of the companies on the planet. But in relative terms, as Americans, it's not that big a deal. But let's look at an area of the U.S. economy that affects us all. It's ginormous, and there is no market, and that is healthcare. Exactly. It's healthcare. Yeah, we've we've talked about that in several previous episodes, but you're right. I would love to dive into this because the healthcare system is just shockingly inefficient and expensive. Well, it's shockingly inefficient and expensive. Does that sound like a market? No. Exactly. No, it doesn't at all. Exactly. And and so we all know that. And, you know, my daughter had an appen- app- appendectomy. It cost appendectomy, over a, yeah. Appendectomy over $100,000. Oh. And I was there with her. She was like on a stretcher in a outside of the toilets, you know, in the emergency room for hours. You know, so she was I when I had mine. Yeah. And and you you ended up it cost you 3,000, 3,500 to get hydrated or something like that. Oh yeah, when I had salmonella. Yeah. It was a 40 I think it was a forty-two hundred dollar two-hour visit. Yeah, yeah, four thousand two hundred dollars. Right, but here's the point. So not only is it inefficient and super costly, which is a like a fever sign that tells you that the market probably isn't operating. What is the price of goods and services, procedures, pharmaceuticals, hospital stays, emergency room visits? In the healthcare industry in the United States, what's the price? Just tell me. How do you how do you find out what, what it's going to cost you? Exactly. Well, that you can't. Right. On, on most things, you just can't. You cannot. And of course, as we've just discussed at this beginning of this podcast, and at the very beginning in our first podcast episode, free mar- freely set prices between consenting parties through supply and demand is the market. And that's the core of our wealth and prosperity. It's, 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 it's why we have the civilization we have. And it does not exist, as we've just agreed, and anyone listening will know if they deal with healthcare in the United States. There is, we do, you have no way of knowing what the price is until after you've had the operation, until after you've come out of the emergency room, often a couple of months. It often takes a couple of months for you to get this horrible, nightmarish bill, which can literally bankrupt people. I mean, a $100,000 appendectomy, uh, a lot of people would go, would have to sell their house to pay that bill. Yeah. Did you have health insurance? Yeah. Well, yeah, it did. I mean, it was part of – my daughter was a uh, at a university. But see, that's where it is. John Stossel did a wonderful healthcare bit where he called it grocery insurance. And he goes to the <laughs> supermarket. He says, well, I don't know the price of any of these things, but it doesn't really matter because my copay is going to be $50 no matter what I buy. Hmm. So as long as I spend more than $50, and I don't know the price of everything, so I just assume these things are more than $50 – if I spend over $50, what do I care? Hmm. Why get 
ground beef when I could get ribeye steak? Hmm. Why get this when I can get the top brand of that? Why have one when I can have three? I'm not paying for it anymore. And so what happens is, and, and he explained it very well, better than I can explain it here, but it's not your money that you're spending and it's not their money that they're spending. So it's a third party spending third party money. Therefore, they don't care about the cost or the quality. So it's kind of like if I buy you a gift, Chris, if I buy a gift, I care about the quality of it. I care about the price of it. If I buy myself something, I care about both price and quality. Now, if I give you a blank check for you to go buy something, you don't really care about the price. You do care about the quality because you're second party spending that money. But if it's not your money and you're not buying it for yourself, you don't give a crap about quality or price. And that's where we're at with healthcare. That's right. So we, we all have that experience. We know we're getting hosed. We know that the prices are ridiculous. And by the way, that's we who have health, health insurance. But we don't, most people have no idea why. And the answer is because corporations have taken over the healthcare industry and have completely dominated. And government. Ah, but you see, how do they do it? They do it because they're in bed with the government. The government actively. Well, so, so corporatism is really more like cor, uh, crony capitalism. Well, crony capitalism is another word for corporatism. And let's just stay focused here on healthcare. So basically, you know, about, I don't know. Seven or eight years ago, I think the U.S. doctors in the United States passed the 50% mark where when I was a kid, because I'm 61 years old, I think most doctors were self-employed. They had their practices or they had small practices with other doctors, and that was what, what they did. Some worked for hospitals and so forth, but there was a lot of, you know, being being the doctor in a town was basically being like the lawyer and the priest. It was the educated kind of middle class thing to do. Well, about, about seven or eight years ago, they passed the 50% mark of 50% of doctors in the United States were employees. I think it's probably close to 90% now. 90% of doctors are now employees, salaried employees. Now, what's the point of that? The point of that is that shows you that corporations have taken over healthcare. And they don't get to pick their own prices because Correct. they work for a healthcare system. Doctors have been completely victimized by this. They're unhappy. They're terrified. They've been subjugated by MBAs, who are, by the way, generally speaking, not as smart as MDs. But the MBAs have the government on their side. Well, I will tell you, this. I, I think I can prove this in an example. I think I brought it up in a previous, it might have been episode one, actually. But I remember seeing this special on, uh, gosh, it was either CNBC, whatever the financial one, CNBC, or um, maybe it was Fox Business. It was one of the financial channels. Okay. I don't remember which one, but they did this special. Actually, it could have been 60 Minutes, honestly. And it was doctors that say, you know what? I'm no longer accepting insurance. I'm pulling out of the healthcare megalith, and we are going to open a surgery center, and we're going to publish our prices, and that's what the price is. You want open-heart surgery? It ranges between sixteen dollars and $20,000, depending on the procedure, you want knee surgery? I, I, actually, it wasn't open heart. It was all orthopedic in this case. So it was shoulder surgery, knee surgery, hip replacements, that kind of thing. And they posted their prices within, you know, a couple thousand dollars of a range. This is the price. No insurance accepted. Come here. Here's the address. You fly here. That price includes one night in the hotel. It includes all of the anesthesia. It includes everything. But this is the price. And people can make that decision. And they were killing it. I mean, absolutely killing it. They were booked out for a year on people that needed procedures because they didn't know the cost of getting it. 
when I had my sold my my soldier my shoulder surgery in college, the anesthesia bill was thirty three thousand dollars. Wow. Hmm. The surgery bill was twenty one. Wow. Hmm. The anesthesia was somehow more. Why? I have no idea. But we have no control over it. And here's what was important about the special. They were being completely demonized and attacked by the healthcare system and the government, and they right. were being penalized and, he- and heavily regulated because they decided, no, you know what? We're good. We're going to do our own thing. We're doctors. We're going to own our own thing. And they were just being attacked and assailed by regulations and regulations and all sorts of you know, friction. Yeah. When these guys were trying to run a business, and they're fully capable, they are doctors. And I think more and more doctors, I mean, I would love for more of those things to open up. Imagine a privately owned emergency room. A privately owned urgent, yeah, urgent but Eric, care it's where going the, it's going the prices the other way. are posted. It's going the other way. I mean, so how does it stop? The, the corporations. Okay, so let's just. I hope that we've been able to to show our listeners something kind of shocking, which is that in twenty percent of the United States economy, uh, there is no functioning free market. It does not exist. You cannot get prices for goods and services in a United States healthcare industry. Before you, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, so I hope we've been able to convince people that. Let's just give them one example, and because it's Christmas time, we hopefully we'll be able to wrap up the, this particular episode by giving people some kind of a kind of a Christmassy thing. Let's 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 kind of let, let's get in the Christmas spirit and see what we can do to make the world a better place. So the example I'm going to use is the is pharmaceutical is pharmaceutical medicine, prescription medicine. Okay. The, the way it works in the United States is the largest, probably the largest buyer of prescription medicine in the world is Medicare Medicaid. And what they do is they set a floor price, which is the absolute lowest cost. No one can sell in the United States lower than this cost. It's the best possible price. And that's the price at which Medicare Medicaid buys prescription medicine to give to people on Medicare and Medicaid. Makes sense, right? Well, guess what? It's not the lowest price. In fact, it's not even close to the lowest price, which is why really? anywhere else, no, no way. You know, Australia, where I lived for 22 years, Australians pay a fraction of the prices the Americans pay for prescription medicines, a fraction. And in most other countries, Europe, it's true as well. Most countries, people pay far less than they do in America. So what's the answer? The largest uh, buyer in the world sets the lowest possible price and everyone has to conform to that. What what went what went wrong? Well, it's the government. So it's not really the lowest price. It's a stupid price. It's a high price. It's ridiculous. But the rule is that if you're a pharmacy company, you have to sell that that medicine at that price. Unless, and here's how this works, Eric, and this is what I hope our listeners understand about how toxic and how destructive the government is when it starts to uh, get in alliance, it, it teams up with large corporations. Because not only does it destroy the market, it dramatically affects in, uh, the, the lifestyle and health of Americans and, and, and wrecks and basically wrecks everything. And this is what happens. Mm-hmm. The, the, the loophole is if you have some kind of a group buying, you know, you have, you know, friends of Eric Knight or, you know, swimmers, college swimmers. You can say, okay, well, I'll go to the pharmacy company and I'll get a discount because I'm I'm bringing a bunch of people, so I should get a group discount. And so <clears throat> that's in fact what your health insurance company has done. For example, that's what people who are at J.P. Morgan or General Motors or any large You're corporation pulling people together for more buying. Power. Correct. And so they get their own deals. 
Now, there's this very large industry I won't go into, which is worth hundreds of billions of dollars. It's trading in the New York Stock Exchange that is all about deciding the portfolios of prescription medicines and the prices that they get charged. But the bottom line here is, is that what this collusion between corporations and big pharmacy and the United States government has done is that in the United States, the only people who pay full price for medicine, which is a ridiculously high price, apart from people who get Medicaid and Medicare and the government pays for it themselves, um, are people who don't have insurance. So let's say Jose Gonzalez, you know, he may or may not be legal, whatever. He's certainly a hardworking guy. He probably has three jobs and he needs to get some kind of a diabetes medicine or some kind of a heart medicine or something like that. He doesn't have insurance. You and I, you or I have insurance. <clears throat> some big corporation has negotiated with Big Pharma, another big corporation. There's no market, but they just use their muscle to agree on some kind of a price. You and I will never know what it is. As you say, all we worry about is the copay. And we get that thing. And let's let's say, let's say the Medicare Medicaid price is 80 bucks. Jose Gonzalez does pay 80 bucks if he can afford it, which he may not be able to, which means he's gonna be even sicker. You, you know, you might pay 40 bucks, I might pay 22 bucks, you might pay 60 bucks, I might pay 11 bucks. It's completely For arbitrary. The same thing. There's no, there's, but there's no market. It's completely based upon these huge corporations doing secret deals with each other. And again, for our listeners, the reason why it's so confusing is the companies that do this um, are listed on the New York Stock Exchange. They're worth billions of dollars each. The whole sector is worth hundreds of billions of dollars. So people think to themselves, oh, well, I can buy a stock for a healthcare company. I can buy a stock for these prescription medicine companies. I can buy a, a, a hospital stock. I can buy a big pharma stock. So it must be capitalism. It isn't capitalism. Those big corporations that you can buy shares in, which gives, which is one element of capitalism, have destroyed the market in the areas that they operate in. And they've done it with the active assistance of government. And the only reason they can do it is because they are in bed with the government. And that's how it works. And yeah. why does government do it? Government isn't some big abstraction. It's particular politicians. It's large you know, ministries like HHS and you know, all that kind of stuff. They're all benefiting. They're yeah. all getting paid by indirectly through lobbyists or campaign contributions or whatever, which are being generated by these huge corporations who have bought the right to destroy the market in the areas that they operate. That's America. How else do you explain in 2009 and 2010 the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, yeah. Obamacare? Yeah. How else could that have been passed? I mean, this, you're talking over a 1,000 pages of legislation. Now, did you hear, I don't remember what year it was, 2016 or so, maybe 2015, Rand Paul submitted, uh, and you know, it was right after Trump got elected, so it would have been 2017. He submitted a bill to replace the ACA with, and it was four pages long. Yeah. And it was essentially exactly what you're talking about. Make the prices transparent, make it a free market, let people trade across state lines, just open it up, but make the prices required to be posted. And it would have dev devastated these big corporations, but the amount of freedom it would have provided us to be able to pick our own healthcare options, and the costs would have had to go down because now they would have to compete for our business. Uh, because it was a market. That's why. In simple terms, the costs would have gone down because it was a market. Yeah. If I know that I need a, a procedure, a surgery, a medicine, or whatever, and I can shop around for it, oh my gosh, you better believe. I mean, a, a serious procedure, I would fly across the country for that. Number one, I want the best doctor, but I want the best value. 
maybe I can't afford the guy at Johns Hopkins, but I can fly to Texas and get a really good procedure at Baylor or something like that if the doctor that I want to go to is there and the price is posted and I can make that decision for myself. I don't know that it's ever going to happen unless government gets out of the way or allows for the market to resume. Do you have any optimism at all that that'll ever happen? Well, but but here's the thing. I mean, we can just see what happens. So Obamacare or ACA, that was the right question. That was the right issue. Obama actually put his finger on an injustice, and he, I don't think he ever characterized in this terms, but I will, that we have got tens of millions of the poorest people in the United States are paying the most for, for health care prescription medicines or procedures. And that's just outrageous. It's incredibly unjust. Um, it shouldn't happen. But I agree we, with you. But when you I look totally at, agree. But with when you. you look at what happened with Obamacare, for example, Obama had the right issue. But what did he do? As soon as he addressed it, all the usual suspects, the corporations, who are the, you and I can't pick up the phone and talk to somebody in the government, but somebody at a big pharmacy company can or a big healthcare, you know, the, that's what went wrong. This was just that Obamacare accelerated the, the rate at which corporations destroyed the market in healthcare. Well, what is it? The road to hell is paved with good, good intentions. intentions. Yeah, that's been true for but a he long was, time. I, I will agree with you. He was absolutely right. There's a huge problem with healthcare, but growing government clearly has never worked. It never will work. It can't yeah. because the government is not a capitalist. We're talking about human nature here. You got to get out of the way and let the free market roar. Yeah, but the point is, is that it's not roaring in the United States. In fact, it's 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 on its way to being it's 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 on its way out. That's that's actually what's going on. Corporations are destroying the free market, you know, and it's well well down the track. All we can do is become aware of the issue and start to get focused on what we need to do, which is to get governments and corporations break that break that sick, toxic, destructive, secret relationship. And stop getting and start to allow the market to function. And we have another example: Ludwig Gerhardt. We, we mentioned this briefly. Nineteen forty-five, Germany was bombed flat. It was everyone. They didn't have enough calories to. The Germans didn't have enough calories to live. They were all st- slowly starving to death. And he created this vibrant economy. What he did was he forbade. He cut taxes. Taxes were 90 percent. He cut them down to like twenty percent, fifteen percent. And he forbade corporations to talk to the government. So the German corporations were not allowed to lobby. They got no special deals, no tax deals, no no regulations that benefited them, no tariffs. Boy, that and they nice? had to compete. And that is what turned the German economy from an absolute disaster into one of the most powerful economies in the world. That's what we need to do here. We need to pretend it's after World War II and we've lost. And we need to have laws that forbid any regulator, the FDA, the FTC, the FAA, all these idiots, any politician, they cannot take the phone calls of, of, company, of, of companies. We need to destroy the lobby. They need, we need to outlaw them. And you know how we'll know that we're on the road to recovery? That America is becoming the America we remember from you know <clears throat> the 50s and 60s? We'll know when the zip codes around, you know, around Washington, D.C., the real estate values fall. Because those are some of the biggest, yes. wealthiest zip codes in the United States because <clears throat> of all those leeches who are taking our tax dollars and destroying our liberty and our right to like have pay, know what we're going to pay for an operation or a prescription medicine. That's the answer. Allow people to compete. Amen to that. Open up the free market. It's a beautiful, beautiful, fair, equitable thing. 
Do not let anybody tell you otherwise that a free market is this evil, corrupt thing. No, it's the opposite. It is the most fair, open, transparent transaction with freedom of choice. And I hope you remember that. Now, I don't know much about the financial world, but I do understand. This has been our 10th episode. Thank you so much for listening. We don't know what we're talking about next time, but we look forward to talking about it with you. Thank you, everyone. Cheers. Thank you. Bye.